What's up, everybody? It's Jasmine Nicole, and I am back with another episode of Seasoned Crime. This is the podcast where every week you'll hear a true crime story about a minority. With no boundaries, I want to come on and share the stories that don't get the recognition that they deserve. Some of the stories you may have heard of, and some of them are hidden gems. Either way, it's true crime with a little bit of extra seasoning added in. Today is also going to be our first episode of our It Takes a Village segment. So once the story's over, stick around and there will be a small segment at the end that speaks to some element of mental health. True crime podcasts have become a way for me to get out of my own head. I think they both go hand in hand, so I want to make sure to help feed our minds while satisfying the true crime craving. So that is going to come after I tell you today's story. Today, we're going to go to the Indonesian island of Bali, which, as you may have seen on social media and on the gram, you've probably seen the pictures, but this is a magical vacation destination. Full of luxury resorts, this is the picture-perfect vacation destination. However, in this instance of today's story, the carefree magical vacation was anything but, and it ended up deadly. Today... I'm going to tell you about what the media has named the suitcase killer. In 1995, Sheila Von Wise and James Mack welcomed their first child together. Heather Mack was born as the only child to the residents of Oak Park on the very nice side of Chicago. James had children from previous relationships, but this was Sheila's one and only child. By this time in his life, James had made a well-known name for himself as a proclaimed music composer. He was very well off and able to provide the finer things in life for him and his family. When Heather was 10, the family went on vacation to Athens, Greece. While on vacation, James suffered a pulmonary embolism and ended up dying while they were there at the age of 76. Some sources reported that once James passed, Heather and Sheila went on with their vacation as normal while James's corpse was sitting in a box waiting to be extradited back home. When James died, Heather became the sole beneficiary of a $1.56 million trust. After James died, Sheila raised Heather as a single mother. It helped that they had access to millions, and according to Heather, Sheila ran through all of it. But mentally, life with them was anything but easy. Mostly everyone who knew the Max said that Sheila longed to make the relationship with her daughter work, but nothing she ever did helped. Saying that this mother-daughter duo didn't get along would be an understatement. Between January of 2004 and June of 2013, police had been called to the family home on 86 different occasions on reports of things such as domestic violence and theft. Heather was a leader of a lot of this violence. There was one time when Heather broke Sheila's arm, and when she did that, she also removed the telephone cords so Sheila couldn't call 911. There was another time that Sheila had had a broken ankle, and Heather, she got mad at her and punched her right in that broken ankle. There was also another time when Heather bit her mother so hard that it left a bruise. But Sheila never stopped, though. 
She always went out of her way to try and build a relationship between the two of them, even though everyone else in her life was telling her that she had to stop. But Sheila just couldn't give up on her daughter. Even though things were extremely toxic at home, at school, Heather was like most high school girls. Her high school years were spent at Oak Park High, and as a senior, she met a boy by the name of Tommy Schaefer. Tommy was an unemployed rap artist who went by the name Mr. X. He had attended a bit of college, but dropped out so he could focus on his rap career. Sheila, she wasn't here for this relationship at all. Sheila was completely against it, and she decided the best thing to do was for them to move. So, she sold their Oak Park home and moved her and Heather about 30 minutes away to the city of Gold Coast, Chicago. Sheila thought this would make it harder, if not impossible, for Heather and Tommy to continue their relationship, but once again, Sheila underestimated her daughter. The move didn't stop them from seeing each other at all. Heather ended up dropping out of college herself, and she had also moved out of her mother's house, so at this time, Heather was now living in a hotel. She was also pregnant. Sheila decided that she had an idea on how to help mend this mother-daughter relationship with Heather. A luxury vacation is exactly what the two of them needed together. Sheila booked her and Heather a first-class flight to Belize, Indonesia, and she booked them a room at the fancy St. Regis Luxury Resort. Even though they were literally in paradise, based on some emails that Sheila had sent to a friend named Elliot Jacobson, the trip was anything but that. Sheila wrote that while they were there, Heather would go missing for hours at a time without saying a word. She was emailing her friend back and forth, and her final email being sent on August 8th about how frightened she was of her daughter. At some point during this trip, Sheila got drunk and she fell. And as a result of this fall, she was on painkillers and she was also bedridden. While Sheila was passed out at the time, Heather went in and stole her mother's credit card. Heather then used that credit card and she booked her boyfriend, Tommy, a business class flight to come join them in Bali. Sheila had no idea that Tommy was coming at all. According to Tommy, he went to join Heather in telling Sheila that she was pregnant, but based on information in the emails that Sheila was sending, it was determined that Sheila had already known about the pregnancy. On August 7th, 2017, Less than eight hours after Tommy arrived on the island, Tommy and Sheila had an argument that can be confirmed by hotel security camera footage. Not too long after this, Sheila was dead. Tommy hit Sheila over the head with a metal fruit bowl and killed her. After she was dead, the two took Sheila's half-naked body and stuffed it in a suitcase. They then took the suitcase down with them and they went and got a cab. They put the suitcase in the cab and they told the cab driver to just wait on them for a minute while they go and complete checkout and they would be back. While the taxi cab driver was waiting on the couple, they went to Sheila's security box to try and get their passports. But when they were denied entry into the security box, they went out the back of the hotel and left. The cab driver waited two hours before deciding to try and figure out what was going on. 
He went and let someone know what was happening, and hotel security officers decided to go and check out the suitcase that was left, maybe look around and see if there was any kind of name on it or anything so they could figure out what was going on. When observing the suitcase, the security officer noticed drops of blood, so he told the driver to take the suitcase to the police station. The driver then drove the suitcase with Sheila's dead body inside of it, unbeknownst to him, to the police station. It was then at the police station that they finally opened the suitcase and found the body of Sheila inside. Police immediately started looking for the duo, and they were found the next morning at a local motel. They didn't really make it too hard to find themselves. They were only about six miles away from the hotel, and the couple used Sheila's credit card to pay for their room. When police captured them, they claimed that some robbers had came into the room and killed Sheila. Heather and she had said that her and Tommy, they were just really lucky to get away. The police didn't believe this at all. At first, they thought that the pregnancy claim was all part of the made-up story, so they did take a urine sample of Heather, which did prove that she was in fact pregnant. This didn't stop the couple from sitting in jail awaiting trial, not just sitting in a jail, but sitting in an international jail. When the police started investigating, they found text conversations between Heather and Tommy that just added more confirmation to what they had already known. The couple referred to themselves as Bonnie and Clyde. In one text, Heather stated just how she couldn't wait for her mother's demise. It was also said that another time Heather inquired about paying $50,000 for a hitman, but Heather denied that allegation. In an early interview with the Chicago Tribune, Heather gave a raving description of her mother, even going as far to say that her mother was the person that she loved the most in this world and that she misses her daily. Even with all the issues between the two of them, why would Tommy go through with killing his future child's grandmother? Well, this wasn't the first time that Heather had been pregnant. She had been with child twice before, and both times her mother forced her to terminate the pregnancies, and Sheila was in the process of trying to get power of attorney over Heather so that she could force her to terminate this third pregnancy as well. It is believed that Tommy acted on his rage due to the feeling that Sheila was a threat to his unborn child. Heather insists that she was hiding in another room when the murder occurred. March of 2014, Heather gave birth to the couple's daughter, Stella. Heather was allowed to keep Stella in jail with her for the first two years, and then Stella was placed into a foster family who has since allowed Stella to keep in contact with both of her birth parents on a regular basis. The case went to trial in January 2015. Tommy was charged with 18 years for the fatal beating. Heather got 10 years for aiding in the murder and the disposal, and they also charged Tommy's cousin Robert Bibbs to nine years for assisting. When they went through extensive phone records during the investigation, they saw that Bobby coached them onto the process of how to kill their mother, expecting a return monetary payment. It was admitted that there was leniency shown with Heather since she was a recent mother. Tommy did testify in the case, and according to the judge, that assisted with her showing leniency on Tommy's sentence as well. She said that she truly believed his remorse and that he was so nice and polite in trial. Not everyone sided with the judge on the fate of these two. Sheila's sister, Debbie Curran, said that there's no way that the punishment fit the crime, 
especially if you go back and look at the police reports about everything else that happened prior to their vacation. She said that Sheila loved her daughter unconditionally, no matter how bad she was treated, so this wasn't fair at all. As of the date of this recording, Heather is currently in a prison in Bali, but depending on when you're listening to this episode, she may no longer be behind bars. Heather is set to get released from prison October 29th of this year, 2021. That's literally a couple days from the date of this episode dropping. Based on good behavior, Heather had 34 months shaved off of her sentence. When she's released, the expectation is that she will be deported back to the United States. Many people, including Heather's own family, believe that money made a huge difference in this case. Heather was a beneficiary of a $1.6 million trust fund from Sheila, which would pay out in small increments until she turned 30, and then at which point she would have full access. She was approved by the courts to use $150,000 to help pay for her legal fees and all of her personal expenses during the time of the trial and while she was in jail. Sheila's brother, Bill Wise, is the trustee of the funds currently, and he expressed that he is positive that the money has been used for bribes and additional payoffs to lawyers and to the courts. Currently, Tommy is not set for an early release, and he says he's okay with that. He has found himself in prison and is a born-again Christian. He says that he's not deserving of an early release, and he must fully serve his time for the crime that he committed. And that is the story of Heather Mack, a.k.a. The Suitcase Killer. Remember to follow us on IG at Season Crime and make sure to rate and subscribe to the show on whatever listening platforms that you're listening on. And stick around. Our first episode of the It Takes a Village segment is coming up next. Welcome to our first episode of the It Takes a Village segment. I want to start off by saying in no way at all do I claim to be any kind of mental health expert. I don't have no kind of degrees or any licenses or any of that. I'm just a woman who believes that if we don't start making mental health a regular topic of discussion, we're going to continue doing ourselves and our communities a huge disservice. Today's story showed just how extreme a traumatic mother-daughter relationship could be. Now this story, it was extremely, extremely far out there, especially with the violence, but I mean, we only know so much of the story that happened inside of the home between Heather and Sheila's and their relationship, but no way. I mean, no, no matter how you put it, there's obviously an extreme um, amount of toxicity between the two of them. The definition of the word parasite is the act of killing one's father or less commonly one's mother, or in some cases, other close relatives. Parasite accounts for roughly 2% of murders in the United States. Parasite is most commonly done by men and is extremely aware that parasite is committed by women. Parasite is most commonly done by men and it is extremely rare that parasite is committed by women. But there's also a study that said that daughters are 8% more likely than sons to commit parasite. Per an article on KNTV.com, Parasite killers are usually younger than 30, but over 18, and there's a mental illness associated whether it's known or unknown. However, adolescent parasite killers normally don't have any history of mental illness. I I don't know what was going on inside of their home exactly, but the concept of 
the parent-child trauma, specifically the mother-daughter trauma in communities of color, it is a real thing. It's an uncomfortable conversation and it's so much easier to just grow up and move on, but it's also so hard to be different and to accept different and to do different without acknowledging that there was an issue there in the first place. Psychology Today did a great article titled Eight Toxic Patterns in Mother-Daughter Relationships, and they made a point that was extremely interesting to think about. No matter how society has pushed the narrative, mothers are not hardwired to love their offsprings. It's actually the child, not the mother, who has the overbearing need of the mother to survive. About half of all mothers do a great job, but there's also just as many mothers who don't initially or instinctively possess those characteristics. As a mother, there's always a stigma. And if you're not quote unquote perfect, or if you express that you need help because it, it can just, it, it can be seen as a weakness and, um, or being seen as incapable of doing your job as a parent. The world of social media is helping shine a little bit more light on these topics that we normally don't talk about. But with that being said, the real life in-person conversations are still so taboo. Remember, we're all in this together trying to figure it out. If you're not talking about it, another disadvantage that you're getting from that is you're not able to learn and grow from the experiences of others. Reach out to us via email at seasonedcrime at gmail.com or on Instagram at seasonedcrime and let me know your thoughts or your concerns on the story or share something that could help the village. We all we got. If you've gotten this far, I truly appreciate you for listening to this segment. Let me know your thoughts and ideas or suggestions or any topics that you may have. As always, I hope you have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Season Crime. Today's episode was researched, edited, and recorded by your host, Jasmine Nicole.